usually doing announcements, so this is a little different, huh? Um, can, uh, can we just start with a word of prayer? I think that's a great place to start. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to be here, Lord, to be to this place, uh, Lord, to be to this moment. And uh, God, I just want to echo what, uh, what Z was talking about there, Lord, that uh, God, your spirit would move uh, this morning. God, that, um, that you would be in the spotlight. Father, that, uh, that God, the focus would be on you and what you have to say to us today. Um, so God, I pray that, uh, that we could push everything aside, um, maybe that we brought in, Lord, and, and allow your spirit to speak to us. Um, God, we love you and thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, the journey to this, to this moment, to this place for me, um, has definitely been an interesting one. And, uh, and, and really, it's, um, it's caused me to ask some questions. And it's caused me to ask some very personal questions, some, some deep questions. And, uh, and really, the, the question I have to start with is, why are you here? Uh, and I've asked this question before um, in, in preaching in the past. But, but for me, I really feel like this is a great place to start, is with this question of, of why are you here? Because um, this question really kind of gets to the root of some things. And I'd also like to ask you that question as well as we kind of get going, really, why are you here? And, and the answer to that really is very simple, is that you're here where you are. You're here because he wants you here. You're here because God wants you here. But I believe that this question is an important question to ask from even a bigger perspective, um, more like why do you exist? Why, why, why does God have you here? Uh, not even just here specifically, although that's absolutely important, but, but why are you here? And, and it's, it really is a tough question that I think we do all ask in some ways. I think we've all maybe asked this question, maybe not exactly like that, but I feel like we've probably all come to a place in our life where we've asked this question, but we don't always ask it in the right way. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, by kind of sharing a, a little more detail uh, about my story. Uh, Z shared a lot of it, but um, I'll put it this way. This is not how I planned it, <laughs> and I think many of us can uh, relate to that as well in terms of seasons of your life and where you go in your life um, because I am a, a very goal-oriented person. I dream big. I aim high, and, uh, and when I've got something in my head, you know, in, in terms of something maybe that's also been put on my heart, I, I really go for it uh, completely and, and wholeheartedly, and uh, this this was not how I planned it. Um, in fact, many of you know my, my goal was to be an animator for the Walt Disney Company. And a lot of times I get snickers and, and little chuckles when I, when I say that, but I was serious as a heart attack. And that was what I wanted to do. And I was laser focused on it from the time I was about 11 or 12 years old, which was also weird because most 11 and 12 year olds don't have a laser focus on something like that. Um, but it was something that I knew I wanted to do. And everything that I started doing um, in my life at that age was to prepare for that. Art classes, um, studying, preparing, planning, reading books. I still have tons of books on how animation is done. And I could bore you to death with a ton of information about it. Um, but it was one of those things that I felt like, boy, that's exactly what God has me on this planet to do. And the choice of going to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh was actually because it was, the, uh, it was on the list of schools that I knew the Disney company picked 
their animators from. So I just said, okay, I'm going there. It's the closest one. My mom said California was going to fall off, so I couldn't go there. So I went to Pittsburgh instead, and that was it. And I loved it. And I went there, and, and here's the interesting thing, though. Everything led up, up to that for me, so I thought. But right before I went, about, boy, it was probably two or three months before I went, something, and, and I don't know what it was other than to just say it was God, but something told me that I knew I shouldn't do animation. And I don't know why. I mean, I do, but, but I didn't know at the time. And, and, and there I was asking that question again, why, why am I here? Why are you why are you here? Because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but something was just so heavy that said, you shouldn't do animation. So I changed my major to graphic design, and I finished school with honors in graphic design and, and loved it. But I'll tell you why I think something changed in me there, because I wasn't seeking God's will at that time in my life. I wasn't seeking God's will. I was, I was going after what I thought I wanted to do. And God just has a crazy way of, of using things. But I think in, in many ways, that's why I took the long way around to get to where God has me today because I wasn't seeking God's will at that time in my life. So as was mentioned, I graduated from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. I started working at an ad agency, worked my way up there, uh, ended up working for the Carter Lumber Company at the head corporate office there and running the art department. I was being told I was being groomed to be the VP of marketing uh, at the time when Pastor Ed came to me. I was serving in the youth department, and uh, Pastor Ed came to me and said that he wanted to bring me on staff as, uh, as the youth pastor and, uh, and to basically be the creative director for the church. And after about six weeks of prayer and, um, and much discussion, um, my wife Valerie and I decided that that was what God had for us. And, and we knew at the time that that was not, uh, we didn't take that lightly. We just didn't look at it as like, we're going to go play with the kids and Jay gets the color. That was way more than that. We knew that this was ministry and that this was putting everything aside and that this was a lifetime of serving the Lord and serving the kingdom. We knew at that time the weight of it and how important it was to make that decision and to make it for the right reasons and to be quite honest, to not make that decision if that was the wrong thing to do, because the last thing I wanted to do was get in the way of what God wanted to do. And if I wasn't supposed to be there, then I didn't want to be there. And so we were very clear at that, at that time, after all of that uh, time and preparation and, 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 and prayer, that God really was preparing us for that moment and for this, that God had used so many things in our life to prepare us for that time. And uh, so I went back to school in 2010, and uh, as, as was mentioned, finished all of my uh, seminary degrees and everything um, just recently. But the ministry opportunities that God has given me and, and that we've been allowed to be a part of since 2008 have been nothing short of amazing, from mission trips to working with parachurch organizations and helping build the staff of the church in, in many ways. And um, all of it has been a part of God preparing me for this season of my life to help grow his kingdom. And so back to the question of why am I here? Well, because God wants me here and because he wants to use me. And it's the same for each and every one of you. It's the same for all of us. Why are you where you are? Because God wants you there. Think about this for just a second. He can accomplish, right? This is God. God can accomplish his purpose in any way that he wants. He's God. And he chooses to do it through you and through me. He chooses to use us. He chooses to use people. 
That's amazing to me. That never ceases to amaze me, that the God of the universe chooses to use us. But how quickly, how quickly we forget that when circumstances in our life change and when different things happen. You know, Connect Church, this is not how we planned it. If you really think about it, this is not how we planned it. But, but this is how the Lord planned it. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so grateful to have been a part of it. I remember Pastor Ed saying to the staff a couple of years ago when we really sort of started this whole, whole process, you know, he said, this won't work if we will be able to explain it by human effort. And I don't want to be a part of it if we can. And then he said, we will only be able to say that this was all God. And he was spot on. This was all God. Mark 10, 27 says this. Jesus looked at them intently and he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. You know what God's miracle for Connect Church is? God's miracle for Connect Church is you. God's miracle for Connect Church through Connect Church is the people. The people that are a part of our church family. I, I, I can't even think of a word to describe. Amazing. It, it's a miracle. The reason that, that, that this, this is here, that this exists, is because of the people. And that's why the first bullet, or the first bullet point, I guess, with the first fill-ins that I have for the day are this statement that the potential of Connect Church as we move forward lies in the strength of its people. I said this a few months ago when I had the opportunity to preach, and I think it's a great place for us to look at again today because it's the truth. As we move forward, what has brought us to this point is what God has been able to do through the people of Connect Church, and what's going to move us forward is what God is going to do through the people of Connect Church. Christ, community, purpose, those are values that are based on the Great Commission, and they're based on God's most prized possession, and that is you, people. So what's your goal for your time here today? What's your goal for this church, for, for your part and being a part of the church in general? What's your goal for your relationship with Jesus? Do you even have one? Have you thought through that? I don't know if enough, if enough of us have actually even thought about that. And it may not be what you think it is, like it was for me. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Simply put, our goal should be to know, love, and follow Jesus and everything that comes along with that. And whatever we pursue in life needs to begin there. It needs to begin with the idea of connecting to Christ, community, and purpose. So I didn't, quite, quite frankly, in, in many aspects of my life, which is why I took the long way around, but God used that journey to prepare me. No question about it. I can look back on various things in my life that God has used to prepare me for this. But we don't always think about that because we forget about even the simplest things because we get wrapped up in our goals. We get wrapped up in our plans and what we think we know. And when it doesn't go according to our plan, and you kind of see the, the pattern developing right there, right? We forget about the power of the gospel. We forget that God's highest value is people. And imagine the difference if we flip that perspective from the beginning. 
So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. You can go to Ephesians chapter 2 right now and, and follow along with me. And I've got a pretty, uh, pretty decent passage here um, to get through. So just, uh, just listen up as, as we go through this because I think you'll find um, a lot to relate to. Beginning in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, since once you were dead in your, or you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. All right, so let's stop right there for a second because all of us can relate to the person that's being talked about here. All of us can relate to this person. The essence of the culture of Connect Church is that people matter. It's why we have invested our time and our resources into starting Connect Church is because people matter, because we want to invest in people. And we're investing in people because that's God's highest value, because people matter more than anything to him. And that should be our highest value is people, but nobody is immune to the things that were talked about in those first few verses there. And, and we think about those things and we dwell on those things and we let those things hold us back in many ways. But look at verse, verse four, here's the hope. But God, let's just stop right there. But God, right? Everything before that, that simple truth of those two words, that cancel anything that you think disqualifies you. Because all of the things before, these two words bring the hope. They overshadow everything that came before. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us, with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. See, he wants to use you and your story to point others to Jesus. I'm gonna talk more about that next week, but how quickly we forget. Skip down Two more verses to Ephesians 2.10. I love, this, I love this verse. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now that word masterpiece, right? As somebody that went to art school, I can tell you that that word is not thrown around flippantly. That, is, that word is a big deal. That word, a masterpiece, it's something that's considered to be the greatest, the greatest work of an artist's career is their masterpiece, the greatest work of their career, and that's how God looks at you and looks at me. Is as our master, we're his masterpiece. How quickly we forget. I love that at the very beginning of, of the Bible, that God is actually, his first job description is artist. Do you ever think about that? In the beginning, God created. Artist, first and foremost. We are his masterpiece. That just I, just, I never get over that. We think that, that God looks at us, though. We forget that because we think God looks at us like a disappointed parent. I know how to throw that look. 
I got four kids, right? But that could not be further from the truth. It cannot be further from the truth. That's the lie that the enemy tells us because everybody wants two things. Everybody, every person that exists wants two things, love and acceptance. Everybody wants that in some way, shape, or form if you think about it. But that's based on our own perspective. That's based on the way that we're looking at things, which we end up limiting because of our present circumstances. We think that our present circumstances limit us, and perspective is the the key word there, because our perspective on God can get skewed. And we look in the mirror, and we think that God can't use the junk that we see, but God. But God. Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Boy, if that doesn't spell it out for me, I don't know what verse does. See, Jesus doesn't stop after he cancels your sin. And I'm so grateful that he doesn't. I'm, I, I'm so thankful that he cancels our sin. But see, he also wants to free you from the guilt that we let weigh on ourselves because of our sin. You know, as a dad, I can't explain everything to my son. This is Wilson. He's six. And we're walking through a parking lot here, you know, and I, I can't explain everything to him. And when we're walking through a parking lot, I, I just grab his hand and I'm like, buddy, you just need to trust me. You just need to let me hold your hand and guide you and walk you across the parking lot. And sometimes he wants to just pull away and take off running or he starts going one way or something along those. And I got to grab his hand a little tighter and pull him back. And sometimes he fights me. Y'all know this. You've been in, in these circumstances with little kids. And for you to try to explain, buddy, if you take off running, that car's going to hit you and all of this stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't get that I'm, that I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to protect him because I love him. And so I'm going to hold on to his hand even tighter if he tries to slip away. And I might yank him back and he might get mad at me. And that's fine. I'm not going to try to reason with him. Although I have tried to reason with him and that doesn't go well. Don't try to reason with a six-year-old. Doesn't, it doesn't work. But boy, isn't that God with us? John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Yet we try to take off running. We try to go way too fast or we try to just go this way and God's like, good grief, come on. I mean, seriously, I don't care what season of life you're in. How often do we do this to God? We need to just hold his hand and let him guide us. And that's the next fill-in. Just hold his hand. Because our Father just asked us to hold his hand and let him guide us. And yet we worry and we have trust issues because we forget the simple truth about our worth to the Father. We forget that he's going to guide us on the right path if we just hold his hand and let him guide us and stop trying to reason with God and let God be God. Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are more valuable than the many sparrows. You know the word fear there? originally means like flight, to take off. That's what the original word there means. And then 
The word valuable there, though, the word valuable actually means essential. I love that. That actually means essential. So you could even read it like this. You are more essential than, than many sparrows. Well, I would, I would think. But think about that in the grand scheme of things. God doesn't just look at us as valuable as a masterpiece, which he does all of those things. He looks at us as essential. We are an essential part of what God wants to do. And that's why my connection point for the morning is simply this. You matter more than anything to him. You matter more than anything to him. And this is something that our world needs to know. Because we live in a world where, we, where people don't think that they have value. We live in a world where everything that creeps up on us and the different things that we're told through various avenues tell us that we don't matter. Tell us that we're not enough, that we're not good enough, that we've gotta be this and we've gotta be that. And we play the compare game. Our identity is in Christ, which is why Connect Church exists. And we need to remember this and we need to cling to it if we're gonna reach our potential if we're going to go where God wants us to go as a body of believers. God is not limited, but we, in many ways, limit what God can do through us because we forget the simple truth, but God. See, God used those moments in my life, and I'll talk about some more of them next week, but God has used moments in my life and in other people's lives to shape me and to prepare me for my calling, that, and I had no clue at the time. I don't have it all together. I hope you're not hearing that. Not even close. Because the growth process is still happening in you and in me and in all of us. And sometimes, sometimes God still has to, you know, dump some manure on me to get me to grow a little more. Those of you that garden get that. The difference, the difference now, I think, is that more times than not, I, I think I, I can kind of realize maybe what it is at the time. And then at the end of that season that I'm going to be thankful for it. Because God's always faithful and always brings you through. But not always in the way that you planned it. Before I close, I want to wrap with this last passage here in Colossians chapter 1. Could you stand with me as I read this last passage, if you're able? I love this. I love these verses. If we could all just bow our heads and just listen to these words as I read them. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And hear this, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You are holy and blameless. God looks at us through the, through the lens of Jesus and he doesn't see our sin. 
He sees us according to, to his word as holy and blameless for those that have put their full faith and trust in him because we matter more than anything to him because we are what he considers his masterpiece, the greatest work of his career. And if you don't know, if you don't know for sure that you're going to be with him in heaven one day, if you've never made that decision, it is the best decision you can ever make. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And so if that's you, if you want to know more about that, if you, would, if you want to have a conversation and you want to know for 100% sure that this God that loves you more than anything, that says you matter more than anything, that you know him and that you have a relationship with him, I would love to talk to you today. We have some other pastors that are here that could talk to you today. And all you have to do is cry out to him. God created us to be with him and it's only our sin that separates us. And Jesus paid the price for you and for me to give us eternal life. And that eternal life is available for anyone and everyone that puts their full faith and trust in him. And if you want to know more about that, please, please come talk to me. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for all that you do. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. God, I thank you that you not only cancel our sin, Lord, you free us from guilt. And God, that you look at us as your masterpiece. And God, you want to use us to reach people. Father, remind us of that this week when we get down on ourselves. Remind us of that when the enemy tries to tell us lies and make us think that we're not worthy and that we're not worth it. Because God, you are more powerful. So Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move now. Lord, and if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, God, I pray that, that today would be the day of salvation for them, Lord. I pray that you would move in such a strong and mighty way that they wouldn't be able to walk out of these doors without making that decision for you. God, I thank you so much for this time that we have, this time that we've had together today. Take us all home safely. Bring us back together in your house next week. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.